to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukianko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. So, how did your beer drinking adventure begin? Did you nick a few VBs from your old man's fridge? Or maybe you shared a few warm tinnies of hard ice with a mate at a party one time? Or maybe, like me, your first beer drinking experience saw you get rather blind on 2.2% light beer at your brother's 18th birthday. Whatever it was, we aren't here to judge. I'm tipping that it probably took you a little while to graduate to drinking sour beers, though. I know it took me quite a few years to start appreciating them, and then a few more to actually start enjoying them. But enough about me, because there are two blokes here to join me for a chat tonight. The pro, Dave Padden from Akasha Brewing, and the protege, Ben Miller, who brews under the label from Ben. And tonight, we're going to be talking about sour beers, and in particular, kettle sours. Welcome aboard, lads. There you go, mate. Great to be here. How are you? That was a uh, real excited how you going, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get dull, my friend. What's going on? Yeah, I was. Are you okay? You need cuddle. I was zoned out for a bit. I'm still recovering from Dave's hissy fit earlier. Yeah, Dave's the only one having a beer tonight, and yeah. uh, he he cracked the sads at us. Yet when he wasn't when he wasn't drinking a while back, we just supported him in his endeavours to live a healthier lifestyle. So, hypocrite is a word we would use here at the beer <laughs> That's a strong yeah. word. Such a strong word. I'm going to crack a beer. I would, have just, I would have just caught him an asshole, but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dave, what, what have you got there tonight? Well, all considering uh, what we're talking about, I have uh, a blood orange goza. Nice. Nice. Bye. Oh, this wonderful <laughs> little brewery in Five Dog called Akasha. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair in fact, enough. I think I might have been drinking it last episode. But yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, blowing your own trumpet, uh, Benny, thanks for sending me down some samples of your uh, PPZ Hazy IPA this week. I did enjoy a couple of those on the weekend. No. How, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Prunus Pesca Zephyr. It's not that actually that difficult. Yeah, but what, what does it mean? <laughs> it's Latin for. It's like roughly Latin for peach breeze. Ah, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I, I know Zephyr, but it's, I it's, didn't um, know the other stuff. It's funny. All we. It was actually named by a friend of mine who um, actually, funnily enough, Dave's wife used to work with him. Crothers, Dave. Oh, yep. yep. And he was, he just came up with it one day. He goes, how cool would a – I think at first his was Prunus Zephyr or something like that. He goes, I think Peach is like something Prunus or something like that. And then we looked it up and went, that's actually quite a cool name, although it's really hard to – Pronounced, yeah. but yeah, it's not my problem. That's, that's PPZ. My, that's not my problem. Yeah, it's PPZ. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, what's the response been like to the beer? Um, pretty good, pretty good. I think it's averaging three point nine. Um, oh, that's out right. Of five. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, is, that, is that how you judge your beers, Ben, on uh, untapped ratings? <laughs> nah, not really. It is good to have a look at it, but um, there's some uh, pretty hilarious reviews there. Actually, there was one that was really funny. It was like two stars, and it was like, um, I just taste raw alcohol. Uh, I can't remember. It was something else. I mean, and then it was like, but it's not bad. No. <laughs> so you like raw alcohol or like? Uh, I, I hate beer. It. I hate peaches and I hate hazy beer. Two stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you've, you've sent some down to Benny Hooper from Fox Friday as well. Yep. So 
you guys getting a little bit of a hazy bromance going on? Yep. Yep, nice. for sure. For sure. Well, um, I'll have to head down there once all this shit clears up and do a couple of brews with um, Sam from Last Rites as well. So, Oh, yeah, nice. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. And, uh, Dave, a big week for you this week, which by the time this actually goes out will have been last week, but uh, IPA day on Thursday and you've got a bit of a celebration going on in the brewery, don't you? Yeah, it's a pretty pretty big day for us. It's uh, almost uh, – we, we, we treat it almost like a birthday. It's um, it's kind nice. of what we kind of what we do here and um, – it's um, yeah, we've been planning this one for a little while. We've got a special beer coming out this week, and it's um, yeah, yep. it's, uh, we get uh, we get right into it. I look forward to not receiving any samples of it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Well, I, I kind of hope Ben might have uh, you know sort of propped me up a little bit and sent you some down with his latest pack, but uh, didn't quite work out by the sound of it. I would have <laughs> if I had some of your special release stuff, but I only had Canada Bay Ale, so it's like here's a here's our core range. That he can probably buy at his local bottle shop. <laughs> no, it is it is hard to find a kasha down here. Oh, it is really it? is. You know, yeah, you know um, so this day and age it's amazing, but they have online stores and a kasha you can order direct from. I did, I did. I think we mentioned it last time, didn't we? Did we? I don't know. Yeah. Clear, well, clearly, well, you didn't well, get well, the hint. bastard could just send him something <laughs> down. One of the two. <laughs> it's, it is funny, actually. A lot of the on, uh, online orders from mainland breweries, a lot of them just don't send to Tassie, though. Oh, I was really? having a chat with. I think it was Mountain Culture this week. Like, where do you send to Tassie? I want to try some, but that's nah, weird because they use Sendle. And and I I use send. Well, I'm not saying they can't send it down, but they probably don't, or it's too cost prohibitive at this stage, perhaps. Oh, who knows? Oh, you guys, you guys have got enough cool shit going on down there. Yeah, things are going all right. Things are going all right. So, anyway, enough about patting yourselves on the back, you uh, you lads. Let's move on to what we're here to talk about tonight, and we're talking about kettle sales and adding fruit to beers. Yeah, yeah. Now, first up, let's clarify the style of beer that we're actually talking about. We're talking about kettle sours, mm-hmm. and I'll throw it over to you, Dave. Ooh. Can you explain the difference between what we're talking about and the types of beers that we aren't focusing on tonight? Well, there's a lot of beer we're not focusing on tonight, but I think... Um, Fucking <laughs> hell. But, uh, I mean, if we're talking about sour beers, there's, there's lots of different... Um, there's traditional styles like your Lambics, um, your Flanders, your O'Bruins, your your Gozers, your Berliner Weisses. There's, there's a whole lot of, um, you know, beer that's been around for a long, long time um, with origins, uh, particularly in places like Belgium and Germany and things like that. Um, and some of these, um, some of these beers are kettle sours, so um, things like Gozers and Berliner Weisses, and even those, in some regard, in, in more traditional styles, um, could also um, be soured in different ways as well. So um, when we talk about sourness, it's kind of like a um, we're talking about acidity, right? So um, the palate sort of per- perceives sour as a um, as an acidity level in the beer, so um, you know a lower pH. So we 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 taste that as a sourness to it. So and that can be achieved by by um, by a number of different ways. But with kettle sours, we're talking about um, a specific, uh, relatively simple way of souring the beer um, by using um, um, just um, lactobacillus. Um, a lot of the, some of the other styles of beers that I just mentioned before, and um, I can use other types. So there's other types of bugs, if you like, in there that create yeah, the well, sourness. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. I was kind of sort of, you know, we're not talking about wild ales, mm. you know, 
stuff that like you know someone like Will Tatchell or or, Tucker or <laughs> someone along those lines that does where they leave things out in the air for fucking forever and bugs crawl in it and, <laughs> and do silly stuff. We're, we're yeah. talking yeah. about how to cheat and make a sour really well, quickly. Yeah, mate, <laughs> no, it's a exactly. different type of sour, but it, yeah, it doesn't have, doesn't have things like pediococcus and uh, and yeah. um, a few yeah. other bits of bits and pieces in I'm, there as well. So. I'm going to give give Ben Ben a bit of a test because I've I've sort of written down four main styles that I thought would sort of cover off within this kettle sour category. So I'm going to let Ben, you t- I'm going to say what it is and you, you describe it to me and then I'll see if you're right or wrong and I hope you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> what's a Berliner Weiss? A stout. <laughs> oh, well done. Well, you're amazing. <laughs> Berliner Weiss, um, traditional German uh, brew. Used to yep. be, um, <clears throat> well, traditionally it is still soured with lactobacillus. It's not, not kettle soured. It's actually lacto-pitched. Um, I think they used to be 100% wheat beers, uh, often really low in alcohol. Um, sometimes yeah, yeah, they, You've yeah. done well. Oh, you've I done well I? on that one. Look yeah, at yeah, me, no, yeah. you covered it off. And I'm pretty sure some of them even used to be fermented with bread. They oh, did. Well, they, yes, they, were, the after, they were. Yeah, yeah. After it was, I think they sec- they went through a secondary fermentation of Britannomyces. You see that Dave coming over the top for the real highbrow stuff. Just, <laughs> yeah, they did. Pro, yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I taught them that. Yeah. All right. What about gozers? Gozers oh. are a salty or salt forward sour beer that originated in something ridiculous like one thousand in a town called Gosler in Germany. Cool. Now there is. There is oh, I'm liking this. So there's facts about the Gozer that I I read a massive article on it. Geez, it'd be a year ago or so now. Um, so technically, if you're brewing a, a kettle soured Gozer, it's actually just a kettle, it's actually just a Gozer style ale. You can't call it a true Gozer because a true Gozer is still goes through lacto fermentation over time. But no one does it. I think I think Anderson <laughs> Valley still do them like that. I'm not sure. I can't remember. For, but um. Uh, now there's conflicting stuff that I've read. It's either their water in their river, like their local water profile was quite saline, so this is why their beers tasted salty. The sour obviously was a lacto thing. But then I've also heard this big article I read is there actually was a lot. Of, there was salt works nearby, so it wasn't their natural oh, river right. water. It was actually salt either in the air landing in the river that was creating this saline ford water profile or it was seeping yep. in one of the two i can't remember but i actually i thought it was just their town's water profile but it wasn't it turns out it was actually caused by some salt works nearby or That's something cool. yeah something what like about that. uh i've read that they often will have coriander seed in them too yep coriander seed yep yep, yep. Yum. very lemon like i think a traditional goes is quite lemon forward lemon salty sort of forward and um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really nice spice. And when, I remember when we first, the first time I brewed a goes a, a while back. Now we coriander because all you think about is coriander in curries and things like that. And you think, God, that would yeah. be fucking gross. But uh, coriander seed is a completely different flavor profile. It's a real sort of lemony, citrusy um, flavor to it. It's just amazing. Yep, coriander seed yeah. is uh, absolute winner. Alrighty, next up, sour IPA. An IPA that's sour. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you are a genius, my friend. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. <laughs> this could be. This could be a big. I mean, this could be. I wasn't a, trying to trick you. This could be a look like you could answer that anyway. It could be an IPA that you'd brew normally that you've kettle soured, or it could also be, I guess, a Brett IPA yeah. could could potentially fall under yep. a sour. See, I don't. Me personally, I don't really think a, a Brett beer is a sour beer. It's more like a funky Ford beer rather than a sour. But um, yeah. 
Um, okay. They're uh, good fun. You dry hop the shit out of them still. <laughs> nice. And next up, I've got here saisons and farmhouse sales. Saisons and farmhouse sales. Um, yeah, funky farmhouse um, saisons themselves. Uh, again, probably more on the funk barnyard sort of Britannomyces forward um, uh, sort of scale of things, but they originated from Belgium or France, one of the two, back in like the yeah. early thousands. They brewed them in bulk for um, their farmers, for the workers. So they're traditionally about 2%, something like that. Lightly and they, tart. They, yeah, and they used to get yeah, lightly tart Well, because they used to just brew them, leave them out, they open vats in the, in the field and um, – essentially cool ship them, they'd ferment, and then that was the the workers' hydration. They used to drink up to five litres of the stuff a day or something ridiculous in summer. So so we're, we're pretty much calling Germany the home or thereabouts of all these sort of kettle sour type beers, are we? Well, I wouldn't say kettle, but like lacto, yeah, for sure. In general? Yeah, Brighter. yeah absolutely. But you know, prior to, um, you know, refrigeration and pasteurisation, all that sort of stuff, pretty much all beer was essentially sour because you had that naturally occurring – Bacteria, so pretty much everything was a sour until yeah, absolutely, most, yeah, absolutely. I, think, I read something about something about the late eighteen hundreds or whatever. Um, I mean, brewers' yeast was purified or something, and you know, allowing brewers to you know exclude bacteria or something, and then and then that sort of lend lends itself to um, you know non sour beers, if you like. Is, is that yeah, I guess so. Well, that, that would also lead back to I think was it last time we were talking about it? I was talking about the spoon they used to have, and it was just their magic spoon. Yes, they didn't yeah. understand what it did. Right. That was yeah. all the culture and bacteria on it. But yeah, no beer definitely was always sour. <laughs> You've got a few spoons like at home, haven't you, Ben? I do, You're mate. Yeah, magic bacteria magic. on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give you the back. Remind me, I'll get them back to you. <laughs> Um, All right, so let's talk about the whole process of of making a kettle sour because there is a bit of a a thing you've got to go through with your stopping and starting the brew. So who wants to jump? Dave, you haven't said much for a bit because Ben's been hogging the mic, but He's had his textbooks out and getting all the yeah, uh, all that information out there. Well done. You know what? This is the first episode I haven't done it because I've done a lot of <laughs> research on them. <laughs> uh. Rate, review, and subscribe. Three words that strike a chord in every sensitive 44-year-old podcaster who dreams of telling stories of craft beer. And something that I talk about a lot, but it really can get this little potty into more ears and therefore grow craft beer for all of us to enjoy. So even if you listen elsewhere, if you've got an iPhone, you've got Apple Podcasts and therefore you can help out the show. Those three words, rate, review and subscribe. So, uh, sorry, what was the question again? So, uh, like, what, what do we actually do when we're making a kettle sour for the for the home brewers amongst us that might not have made one? Well, essentially, we're um, using um, the addition of lactobacillus to to sour the beer. And um, when we're talking about a kettle sour in particular, where where um, well, we're literally in the kettle um, souring the beer at a period of time. So, otherwise, uh, could be called a, a mash sour as well. But essentially, the way well, the way that we do it certainly is to. Um, create a relatively um, basic mash and a lot of wheat. I mean, our, our, our gozers and berliners with probably about 50% wheat, um, depending on your brewery, how much you can go towards that wheat side, but uh, need plenty of wheat in there. Create the mash. Um, then when you run off um, you know, into the kettle as per normal, um, 
we then actually use that um, that the the wort that's in the kettle and sour it at that particular point. Um, there's a few things we need to do to it before we can do that. Um, we need to bring it back to a temperature that um, lactobacillus likes to to work in, and what about 38? Then I think is that fair? Yeah, I just set mine at 40, and it sort of yeah. fluctuates between so yeah, 37 to 40. So essentially, you want to create an environment. So, work the sugars there, and that's like yeast. Um, it likes to work in that environment. And um, what you want to do is is set that temperature um, of the wort at a at um, a temperature that um, lacto loves to work in, which is that sort of 38, 40 degrees. And, yep. and luckily, most of the other things like normal yeast and other bacteria don't like operating at that temperature. So it's kind of a nice little temp where um, you can really let it take off. Um, the, you need to add the lacto as well. So in terms of, cool, I don't know if you want to go through the process yet, but so we need to cool that down. We use the heat exchanger. Backed off a little bit. Um, we don't want to bring it right down to that 20, you know, 18, 20 degree mark where a normal ferment would be, but we use the heat exchanger to, to bring recirculate that work through the kettle, bring it back to that 38 degrees, um, ready to to sour um, um, over a couple of days. So Don't, don't um, forget mentioning you got to flash boil it too before you do any of that. No, yeah, I forgot about that. Some people don't actually do it. <laughs> like, some people don't do it, um, but it's good. If you just so want to make sure to boil. If you want to make sure there's nothing first. else in there, it's a good idea just to bring right. it up to the boil. And then, I mean, I'm calling <laughs> it, yes, we do that because we're cooling it down, but um, bring it up to the boil and then um, maybe for about 10 minutes, make sure there's nothing in there and then um, bring it back to that 38 degrees. And then we uh, we pitch the bugs. So a few ways to do that. You can you can buy, there's plenty of places you can buy both dry and um, and wet yeast, uh, or sorry, wet bacteria um, and throw the lactose straight in. Some people use... Um, those little gut health bacteria tablets, the ones you oh, put really? in the fridge. In a, in a health plus, yep. uh, in a health yeah. Plus. Okay. <laughs> yep. um, which is pretty much, that's all lacto in there as well. Um, I've heard people use yogurt. I've heard um, all sorts of different things. Um, one of the, one of the um, probably the best sources of, of lactobacillus in the brewery is actually on the outside of your grain as well. So you can actually get, uh, make a little sugar starter and um, throw a whole sort of handful of grain and you can actually build it up that way as well, which is pretty funky. Oh, nice. Um, nice. In, the, in, in the in the professional environment, we tend to use the tend to use the clean stuff. So yeah, so that's uh, that's what we do. We let that go for um, so let that go for usually a professional brew. We'll probably just do that over the weekend. We might um, we might brew that on a Friday afternoon. Um, get it, pitch it. Um, the other thing to think about too is also make sure that there's no oxygen. Um, anywhere near that word as well. It needs to be a very, very... That was um, going to be my question because if, if you're cooling the beer and like you're sort of pretty much pausing the overall brewing process, leaving it hanging there, restarting it, is is there a real chance that oxygen can get in and add some off flavours? Yeah, well, when you're boiling it, you're getting rid of it, but you really, as you... Um, there's various ways of doing it, but um, one of the real tricky ways of doing it is to... Um, when you in a in the normal brew, when you're using a heat exchanger going into a fermenter, you add oxygen um, as you're coming out of that heat exchanger. Um, a nice easy way to do it is actually to hook up a CO2 tank to that same carbonation stone and um, pump CO2 through it as you're recirculating and bring it back to that 38 degrees. Um, okay. And then we purge the headspace really well um, and um, pitch the pitch the lacto, and we leave it all over the weekend and usually done by Monday morning, which is nice and handy. And and Benny is is it the lacto that actually gives the beer the pucker? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what that's what sours you down. So you'll you'll tend you might lose uh, a couple of gravity points through that souring process. Not not huge amount. Um, 
and lactofermentation doesn't that that strain of lacto anyway doesn't seem to target. I think oh, I have heard of people. Who was it? Someone I know did a goes uh, did a kettle sour, and it just they just about lost all their gravity out of it, which didn't make sense to me. Something else must have been going on in there, but um, you know, yeah, you'll lose a few points. But then obviously, when you when you get it back to the boil after after it's soured for that twenty four hour period or whatever, you get it back up to the boil and do your sixty minute boil as normal, and that'll kill it. That'll kill any bacteria. So. Um, including the lacto itself, including that, yeah. So, oh, yep, so, okay. so yep. then it just you can now just treat it like a normal beer. It's totally safe for so, brew house. So, what's the lacto actually doing in the beer? Is it just well, the lacto is creating that acid. So, over that three days, um, like yeast, yeast is a pretty clean, clean burner. It it, it um, eats sugar and farts out alcohol All and CO two. Yep. Um, what the lacto does is it creates the acid. So. Um, okay. What you'll notice, and if you're um, particularly the first time you do it, like anything, you really, really, uh, it's handy to have. You really do need a pH meter to, to check the pH as you go. Um, yep. And what you'll notice over those couple of days is that pH drops quite dramatically as you as you drop down. You can see, and you can actually target a specific C8, uh, sorry, pH depending on how much soundness you want in the beer. So it's creating all that um, all that acid for you. And as soon as you get to the point where you, yep, yeah, that's enough. Um, you boil it and you just brew it as normal. You know, we talk about these being the, the easy sours, I suppose, but for a home brewer, trying to keep a beer at 38 degrees for 24 hours can be quite challenging. It's actually one of the things that that bloody system that I had, that brewery system, that was able to do that, which was pretty cool. You could mm. set that and just, you know, walk away basically. But uh, maybe for you, Benny, what what have you heard from the home brewing type circles in, in terms of little hacks or systems to be able to keep a beer at, your 38 degrees for 24 hours plus? So I actually built a purpose-built kettle for this exact reason and it didn't Did work. It didn't work, oh. yeah, because what I what I was, I was thinking to myself, I had my old um, borrowed keg kettle from way back in the CUB keg or whatever the hell it was. I can't remember now. But it was just sitting there. So I cut a hole in it and put another 2200-watt element in it and thought if I hook this up to a temp controller and have it, at, just transfer it to sour at, have it set at 38 degrees you know it should switch on and off but that element switching on and off killed the lacto i just couldn't get it to sour so what i do now instead even at home as i just get you know the heat belts yep i just put a a, an adapter into the back of a temp controller set it set it at whatever temperature i need sanitize my temp probe dip it in through the top because when i when i do mine i do the same with the co2 except i have a wand i just have a so yep. most i have like a i told you about sticking your wand in the beer mate that's how you sour it really isn't it i have a per- like a just use it for that. that's it <laughs> for fuck's sake <laughs> Uh, oh, clearly, I'm the only one drinking here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There we go. Another one. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes, I bubble CO2 up through it um, while I'm cooling it. Um, that sort of helps. And then, obviously, one thing to remember is that you want to make sure that everything's shut off before you pitch your lacto into your kettle. Because if you all of a sudden pitch your lacto while you're still recirculating it through your cooler or whatever, now you've now got lacto in your chiller and everything. But yeah, so that 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 heat belt thing, back to that, that works really well for me. I just run two heat belts over it, and it look in the middle of winter it might struggle a little bit, but any other time of the year it can sort of manage to keep it up close enough to that forty degrees <laughs> to get. <laughs> you're giving us too much material, yeah, mate. Come on. It's way too easy now, isn't it? <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? I completely missed that. Keep it. You yeah, managed to keep it up. 
Uh, <laughs> fuck yeah. Popsticks and some electrical tape. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm not you. I'm not your <laughs> <that> yet. <laughs> yeah, no, true. So, okay, so you've done your kettle sour for your 24 hours or whatever it is. And then yep. it's basically boil, add your hops, cool your wort, add your yeast, ferment. Yep. Um, you, can yep. Pre, you can pre-sour your wort too before you add lacto if you're worried about um, – Sort of, if you want to retard any other things that are coming in, inhibiting it, um, you can pre-sale your work down to like, uh, what is it, four point two or something like that, um, or is it a bit less than that. It might be four. Well, I wouldn't go too low, but yeah, just yeah. tip enough just to just enough, yeah. yeast and a few other things. Yeah. I used to do it, and I just don't bother doing it anymore because I haven't had any. But if I did it on a commercial scale, I'd definitely do it. But at home, I haven't had any dramas with it because I also pitch. A lot of lacto, so mine sours in like twelve hours. So, yeah, Ooh, that's, fancy. That's quick. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I had one of those little lale brew, the wild brew packs, which one of them can do up to one hectolitre. So, and I'm pitching it into I don't know eighty liters. So it's it's an yeah, over, cool. it's an over pitch a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard you shouldn't add any hops until after the souring process is complete because the hops sort of act against the lacto's work. Is that right? Yeah. Um, IB, um, IBUs don't. Well, sorry, lacto doesn't react well to IBUs. Okay. Yep. It, um, it'll kill them. So, like well, for those wild- natural preservative, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Yeah, so okay. the yeah. like the wild the wild beers that I've done. I know we weren't talking about wild beers, but as an example, you you hop them to a specific IBU in order to get what you want out of that yeast. So if you want to get like my Fijawa beer, I went to ten IBU. So that's that's going to get. That's making sure that this beer doesn't go crazy sour. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. So, have you guys got any particularly favourite examples of of uh, you know kettle sours, commercial commercial ones at all? Dave's drinking the one and only right now. Oh, I think okay. the, yeah, and this, look, the, the Anderson Valley Blood Orange goes. It was always a favourite of mine, yep. and, and we really modelled ours on that one. Yep, um, I love that beer. It's just a good commercially. I've, have, I've had know. that one. That's a great beer. A yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've honestly, I reckon, I've I've probably spent a thousand dollars on that beer. It's such a good beer. Jesus, really? Oh, mate. When it first came into the country, hey, Dave, it was when I was working with you. We were doing like it was going mm. out of fashion. Yeah, a good good friend of ours, uh, Jason from from Spinning Goats, used to get him for his bar, and we used to we used to get him to get an extra couple of cartons for us. And um, yeah, nice, just such a great beer, just just a real like it's a they're the perfect summer beer as well. They are, um, they are, yeah. which is interesting. So I, I um, Paul Boker from uh, Brick Lane Brewing sent me a couple of samples just recently. They've been messing around with some sour beers, and they had uh, Blood Orange sour beer as well, which is a four point two percent. Yeah, and that was sort of my thing, like. I could see myself sitting back enjoying this um, beer in the, the height of summer and yet here we are. It's like, you know, July and it's pissing <laughs> down with rain. So it was an interesting beer to release, but, oh, bloody loved it. It, it was so funny. It sort of took me back to memories of drinking um, Tang as a kid. I don't know if you had that in New Zealand, <laughs> yeah. Ben, but uh, Dave might remember Tang as a kid over I here. Do, the orange, orange uh, breakfast uh, drink. What is it, it like, was, like oh, a Fanta or something? No, it's like it's – like, um, a, a dust that you, you know, like you spoon it into your water and you oh, mix it up and it wow, creates that's a That's raro, bro. We call that shit raro. Yeah, well, we're in Australia now, so <laughs> yeah. it's tang. You call a lot of and, shit weird things, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's, you do. That's, but geez, it, it just took me back to that sort of taste and I, I bloody loved it. They were absolutely sensational. Well, so. ben, ben, did you drink that stuff in your garage? <laughs> Oh, you are cruel. just really <laughs> scraping the barrel now. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So who do you think in Australia brews the best examples of, uh, of the gazers? Um, oh, geez. There's been some pretty cool stuff come out. You had, I mean, you had the one I did with Barossa Valley. Remember those ones? Oh, yeah, the um, little silver bullet ones. What were Years ago. Oh, I mixed just, them together and stuff. They yeah, were good. so we brewed them part. It was a Bucket Boys and Barossa Valley yeah. collab, and it was a me and Barossa Valley collab. Yep. I did a, my one was a raspberry and guava. Yep. And Bucket Boys one was passion and mango. Passion mango, yeah. yeah and that's like that, that we had. Great. That we are because we've been, I've been brewing these crazy fruited ones for ages, and it was just, just so happened to be by chance I met Denim down there and got chatting to him. And he was like, I was kind of looking for an avenue to get to just to someone who was keen to put one of these out, you know. And I uh, got chatting about it. We're like, yeah, all right, let's have a go at it. And it worked out really well. So, like, each batch, I think there were 18 hick batches, and they had over 300 kilos of fruit in them. So, I actually think I've still got one in my the back of my beer fridge. Well, it's been rebrewed. No, no, no. This is from the original ones you sent me. Jesus. Yeah, I have. Oh, sometimes, you know, you, you put things away in the back of the fridge, you forget about them. Sometimes, you know, you, you just like to ruin beer. I, I might have to crack it and see what it's like. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, do it over um, a <laughs> But I, I love doing stuff like that. I love doing stuff like that. And and the good thing about a gozer or, or if, whether it be a gozer or just a balloon of ice or whatever is your pH is lower than that. So most of the time adding fruit is pretty safe because, especially on a home scale, because nothing's going to grow at that level. You know what I mean? Down down at that level, three point four, your chances of something grabbing hold of a beer is pretty uh, is pretty low. So that's why I just go, especially at home, man. I do, if I'm doing like, if I do an eighty liter batch, I'll split it four ways, and some of them I'll put like five kilos of fruit into twenty liters. <laughs> Jesus, I love it. But they're awesome. They're just incredible beers. They're like they're they're next level. I remember. Um, I think one of the first ones I. Uh, I think I, I really love a raspberry balloon of ice as well. Do you remember Miss Pinky? I, it's still around, but Miss Pinky is like boat rocker out of Melbourne. They, the shit, uh, they yeah. did one, um, well, do one still. I'm pretty sure it's a current release, yes. but, yeah. but it was, um, it must have been four or five years ago I first tried that. And um, that's a really cracking example. Again, With lots 2. of 2.1% or something like that. Yeah, just, a, just a good good smasher. And uh, yeah. and, I, and the Wayward Boys are doing doing a. That's probably one of yep. the most popular beers now as well. The um, the Raspberry Bilinavice. So I think yeah, there are a couple yep. of great examples. And Raspberry, yeah. Raspberry just goes so well with that with that acidity. Yeah. What's that bear called again? The Wayward one. Or Raspberry Bilinavice. Is it? Yeah. No. Oh. It used to be great, called Sourpuss. Great question, Ben. That's right. <laughs> but uh, in the uh, interest of political career, or well, I shouldn't uh, say that. It's not one, yeah. but I think they they a lot of their beers have gone back to. Yep. Um, to just Talking the names the of the styles themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you you feel like uh, the kettle sours are kind of like the gateway sour beer? It sort of starts you off for on sure, your journey? For sure, definitely. Yeah. I, mean, I never forget brewing my first one. I've been brewing for years before I attempted one, and I just always loved sours and, um, yeah, kind of went up from there. But for sure, like, because you're not going to go out and crack a $100 bottle of Cantillon, are you? Like, no. you know no. what I mean? It's definitely because you can brew these fairly cheap and you can make them easily available. They don't take, realistically, they don't actually take that much more time to brew either. Um, so to get them out there, for sure, yeah, I'd definitely say they're sort of the entry-level sour. But they can also be really big and up there too, you know what I mean? Just because yeah. they're a kettle sour doesn't mean they have to be your basic run-of-the-mill sour. Like, 
Yeah, they, they certainly are simple, but I think I think it really needs to be said that they are they're not they're not horribly simple to brew. Um, they can be brewed badly quite easily. Um, I think I think one of the the biggest faults that we see with sour uh, with kettle sours is that um, oxidization at that beginnings phase that we said before in the kettle itself. Um, you can get it really, and you can tell when you when you sort of pull the covers off after two or three days in there. Um, if there's any oxygen's been present, it, it, it is it is quite a foul smell. It's a baby vomit kind of smell. Yeah, and so you know, <laughs> and and sometimes you can get, you can get hold of a sour that's been proved pretty well, but a kettle sour, but it's sort of got that um, tinge of oxidation. You know, you can tell it had a little bit of oxidation in those uh, in those early stages. So um, process is is really important, really really important to get right, and it can make the difference between a pretty good um, kettle sour and a fucking great one. Yep. You know, what What I love about these sour beers is this is the one beer that I can enjoy with my wife because mm. I've, I've mentioned a bloody billion times that, you know, she's a wine drinker, champagne drinker her entire life and these beers kind of hark back to the taste profiles that she likes as opposed to mm. your traditional bitterness beer profiles. And I tell you what, every single one that I've been having lately, she has been absolutely loving. She really likes Miss Pinky. She loved the Blood Orange from um, – uh, Brick Lane, and they also sent me a watermelon and raspberry. I think it was, which wasn't really to my liking, but she thought that was way better than the the blood orange. She just loves it. So I, I think this is a really great way that if you do have a wife or a partner that you know doesn't love uh, beer, this is a good way to, to get them into it. I think. May I? Like have all of these massive fruited ones. Like I did that. Dave drank. I think at our engagement party, Dave just about drank all three kegs of it. I did a mulberry one. I did a mulberry gozer oh. and I picked them myself. I picked these shitloads of mulberries I don't myself. Remember a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As I said, he drank all three kegs. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good. But you know what? Every single one of those gozers I've done, it, it doesn't matter who I give it to, whether they're a beer Like a, a lot of people I talk to, doesn't matter who they are. Heaps of them are like, oh, I don't really like beer. I'm like, well, yeah, but have you probably, you probably just drunk Carlton Draft and stuff. Yeah. Well, they're like, yeah, we'll be. And I'm like, try that. That's not a beer. It looks like fruit juice. I'm like, yeah, but there's or every single part of it is a beer. Try it. And they're like, oh, yeah. that's a, it's exactly the same thing. You know, like at our engagement party, people turned up with premixes and stuff. And I think they were all still there by the end of it because they just got <laughs> on this stuff. You know what I mean? Like people have never that's drunk, great. people have never had a session on beer in their life. We're just smashing it. <laughs> and, and I love that. That's what I love about yeah. brewing all these different it's, styles. It's, and It's so accessible, isn't it? It's, it's funny, oh, you man. know, over here in Australia, our low alcohol or mid-strength beers or whatever, you know, for the most part they're based around something along the lines of perhaps a, a lower ABV Pacific ale kind of kind of beer. But in the States, like your Berliner Weiss and stuff at your 2.9s or whatever – with fruit in them and that sort of thing, that's effectively taking the place of of that mid strength beer over there, oh, and man. they bloody yeah. love it. Every, just about every brewery does them. They're so good though, they're, 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 and they're so easy to approach. They're easy drinking. You can just sit there, even if you don't feel like a beer. If you don't feel like a beer, you can still have one. It's just and they're, and they're so. That's why in summer, it's almost all I brew in summer is just because I, I there's a guy in Sydney with Dave and I use called Berry Man, and he like he just has the best fruit. And um, I always, I, I think last year I ordered something ridiculous like fifty kilos of fruit off him just for me at home. And um, <laughs> now I just, well, I just brew, I just brew to my max of what my system can do, and then split it across all my fermenters and do all sorts of different stuff. So you know, out of the one brew day, I end up with four, four different beers or whatever. Yeah. So um, and and I just keep a really easy profile too. I think I, I run like 
uh, might be like 60% Pilsner malt, 40% wheat or something like that. Um, yeah, sour it, keep it around the 3% mark and, and just go to town with it and you end up with all these different different beers on tap and each and every single one of them is so different even though the base beer is the same because, you know, yeah. you had different types of fruit or, yep. you know, some of them you could add vanilla essence in, like uh, not essence, vanilla extract into it. Um, yep. All sorts of – you can play around heaps. I love it. They're, they're, they're awesome. It, um, you know, we were talking earlier about wild ales, mixed ferments, that sort of thing, and, and the knock-on um, – on you know kettle sours for some drinkers is you know their flavor pro- profile isn't as complex as you know maybe a wild fermented sour. So is that one of the things that your brewers like to do? You know you're throwing in a, a little bit of fruit to then create a more complex taste profile, which might be something not it's not never going to be as close to a wild ferment, but to do something more than just the standard just puckering. I guess I don't. I mean, probably depends on what your end goal is, right? Like I don't brew a kettle sour to be complex and and be competing with a wild uh, you know what i mean I, I brew it to be this didn't take me long to brew this tastes really fucking good it's got shit loads of fruit in it it was heaps of fun to brew and here it is you know what i mean so i guess you could yeah i suppose so by adding fruit some people could try and mimic that but you just can't you can't you can't replace time time spent in a fermenter with bugs eating it you just cannot i don't think yeah i yeah, don't think I, it, I, I honestly think they're two two very different beers and yeah. i think even yep. even the, the use of fruit in the two different styles of sour i think um the the yeah the, the balloon devices like kettle sours are a bit more fruitful a bit fresher a bit brighter and um they're very 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 different beers but i do, I, I do miss um which is becoming rarer and rarer, just a straight Berliner Weiss. It's pretty hard to find these days. With a um, bit of woodruff in it or whatever yeah, it is. Or even just on its own. A really, yeah. really – and it, it's a bit like drinking. You know, some days you just want a Pilsner or a Lager or something like that that's that's really well brewed, very tasty. Um, sometimes a really good uh, Berliner Weiss um, is just a really stunning, stunning beer to brew, but you don't see much of them around these days. Yeah. Hey, when you add your uh, fruit into the brew, is there any sp- specific sort of process you've got to go through to get it ready to chuck in? Mm, make sure it's not got bugs in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. There's two very different – if you're doing it on a home scale, you can kind of afford to be a little bit crazy with it. If you're doing it on a commercial scale, you absolutely cannot. So on at home, well, if it's come out of the freezer, likelihood of something living on it is pretty low. Yep. Also – Again, back to your pH is already very low, so it's got it's you're, you're pretty safe adding stuff in there. I don't pasteurize anything. I don't, to be honest with you, even those Barossa Valley ones, um, they weren't the the fruit wasn't guaranteed aseptic, but we we felt that we've used that fruit a lot and never had any problems with it, so it was safe. We just made sure it was fermented all the way out. Yep. Um, I know some of the stuff Dave uses is um, some of the stuff you can get through Tropico's aseptic. They guarantee there's no bugs in it. Mm. Um, what's, what's aseptic mean? There's no bugs in it. No so essentially, okay, well, there's right. a minimum, you know. So there's, there's what we won't get fruit here for for a big batch or a professional batch unless it's guaranteed aseptic, so it doesn't have you know wild yeast and whatever else in it. Um, otherwise, you'll end up with you know if you look at the majority of the recalls that we've seen in the market over the last couple of yep. years, most of them have been fruited beers. Um, yes. So we either look for aseptic or we get um, a report on the actual fruit that shows us what's in it and we can make a call on it. Um, either way, we uh, we put it through a full testing procedure at the end. So we go, we actually get the beer test where we test it ourselves uh, for bugs as well. So 
we we test it to make sure that there's nothing even though um the process yeah we obviously our brewing process is is clean um um the fruit is clean we just need to make sure because um the last thing you want is a re-fermentation in the can or oh, yeah. disaster. <laughs> yep. i mean yeah. we test every beer um but it's a real it's a real fine tooth comb we go with we, we do it um we do it actually three times um we've got we literally um got a one going into a can this week and we've we've tested it three times through the process to make sure there's Shit. nothing in there yeah, yeah, nice. You do have to be careful, but I always like on a, on a smaller scale. It is I always encourage people to just have a little bit of fun with it. You know what I mean? It's just that's what that's the beauty of brewing at home, right? It's it's you can you can afford to take these little risks here and there that aren't. Um, I wouldn't do it in a clean beer because then your risk goes through the roof because you're at a normal pH level and things can go sour. Excuse the pun, real quick. Um, but as far as yeah, adding adding to a sour beer on. If you get some fruit from the supermarket or what have you, if there's, I've even used fresh fruit. I've I've used fresh fruit before with with good results. Um, I just got the best tasting mandarin I've ever had in my life the other day. So I went got, got my wife. To, she was doing the shopping, and I was like, "If they've got those mandarins, can you get like ten kilos of them?" She said, "What the hell do you need ten kilos of mandarins for?" I was like, "Get those mandarins." Oh, that, yeah, that's Dave was the one who was telling me about them, and then I just went to the supermarket and didn't didn't even think about it. Just picked them up. I was like, "Oh, I haven't tried these before." And just from his flavor descriptor, I rang him straight away. I was like, "I've got these mandarins you're talking about. I'm buying heaps of them." So I peeled them all. I peeled them all and threw them in the freezer. So they're all there waiting to go this summer. So oh, yeah. I've still got. Yeah. There's there's a, a relatively new variety this year, and they've yeah. just got this awesome sourness to them. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, just and it, we both sort of came to the same conclusion on this. this Mandarin is that it would be fucking awesome in a beer, and and yeah. I would go Bellina Vice too with it. I wouldn't go like yeah. because it's that sour tart sort of. It would just be perfect, perfect in a like a light Bellina Vice. Not you do, you wouldn't want the salt. Although salt brings a lot of flavor out, I don't think this is particular. I think it would take away from what I, I'm trying to achieve out of that fruit. You know what I mean? So, um, but are there are there any fruits you guys would avoid using in these beers? Durian. Oh, yeah, that horrible stuff from Singapore. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. <laughs> oh, my God. It smells, like, it smells, like, it smells like rotten fish or oh, rotten yeah, meat, rotten oh, flesh. Yeah. You know yeah, the big no, spiky that ones that are, you know, the big spiky, massive big things, Dave? They're like the size yeah. of a watermelon. Yeah. You know, they're in some spikes. hotels in Singapore, you're not allowed to have, have them in, in your luggage and all this sort of stuff. But having said that, I, I spoke to, and you've obviously listened to the episode of the podcast, but if you haven't. Every single one, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Go back to the Pastor Street Brewing one, and they brewed a beer with durian, and they couldn't get the fucking smell out of the, the stainless steel kegs. <laughs> Why would you do that? I, I, I had a, a durian ice cream in Thailand and almost vomited. And I was oh, no. like, it's disgusting. And I went to throw it in the bin, and I was doing a day diving, and my the Thai, Thai dive guy was like, don't throw that in the bin. I'll have it. I was like, Whoa. I've already had some of it. He's like, oh, it's, it's beautiful. I'll have it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. Just can't uh, do other, it. Other than durian, anything else? Um, <sighs> apples. Apples okay. do not belong in beer. Yep, fair enough. Well, maybe they do, but I haven't found a variety that does yet. I just think apple. There was that. What was that old apple beer, Dave? The original one that everyone loved years ago? Oh, the um, one down in South Australia. Yeah, and it was like, oh, oh. I can't remember. 
It is an amazing beer, and I can't remember. I'm gonna, I'm apparently, to that, it's not made anymore, is it? But apparently, no, to this no, day, no, it's, it's actually it's the um, only beer anymore. in history with apples that went any good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no apples then. No, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But no, everything, man. Like, I love berries and, and and oranges and just things that are got a lot of juice in them. You know what I mean? Like, even I want to do a golden kiwi fruit one too. I reckon that'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had a kiwi fruit sour. F- I forget who that. They wouldn't be from. around. They'd be. I yeah, I've had a kiwi be, fruit yeah. one definitely. Yeah, yeah. But, but also one of the cool ones I had was. Uh, do you remember the one that Two Birds Brewing did, which which is dragon fruit, which is bright pink? <laughs> so I've done a dragon fruit one. I've in, in summer that was one of my ones I did was dragon fruit, and the I was what I did though is I added strawberry into it, and yep. I while the taste was. Unbelievable! I kind of regret adding the strawberry to it because it only had that purple hue around the edge of the gr- the glass, rather than being that All full. Because dragon fruit, man, that is the most incredibly coloured fruit. Color. Yeah, it, and it transitions Absolutely. so well into beer too. It, it you know, um, but uh, look, it's at the end of the day, it's like I tell a lot of people. Everyone's, oh, could you do this and could you do that? And one of my my next door neighbour actually, he's asked me if I could brew a beer for him, like it's because he loves he's an Irish dude. And um, he loves th- those sour beers. Again, drunk Guinness and drinks Han Super Dry. That's all he drinks. And as soon as he's met me, he just can't get enough of of this of the gozers. <laughs> and um, and yeah, he asked me if I could brew one, and he's trying to give shooting ideas off me. I said, man, honestly, whatever fruit you like. And before I could message him, he goes, "What about apples?" <laughs> and I, <laughs> halfway through typing, except for apples. <laughs> so, but no, just things like berries and things like that, I think work really well in these beers. They like I've I've got ten kilos of um, boysenberries in the freezer. I'm going to make an imperial one. So, oh wow, yep, that sounds pretty cool. Yep, that sounds. Pretty- Did you find out what that beer was, Dave? Billy Bees. Never heard of it. No, it's 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 an amazing. It was very very rare, hard to get hold of, but um, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. But that's uh, many years gone now. Ah, oh, righto, fair enough. Has how has yes, your uh, your blood orange goza tasted tonight? You're pretty happy with it. I've just gone through two cans of it while we've been talking. So, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, you know, there's been a few a few. Uh, parts where uh, Jeff here, sorry, <laughs> Jeff, I'm just looking at the, your feed. He's called himself Jeff, but uh, where Benny hasn't shut up. So I've had plenty of time to drink. Yeah, fair enough. Um, big news, big news. The first delivery of Akasha beers that have been promised for, I'm not sure how long ago we met online. Uh, they are on their way to Hobart as of tonight. Are they? Uh, I, I ordered myself a special IPA celebration day box. Did you just do that while we were talking? Up. I was, yeah, I did. And I, th- I believe the Blood Orange goes is in there. It is so. in there. Oh, good on you. You think after all this exposure, he would have just given it to you for free? Mate, we're doing, we're doing way higher numbers than Akasha TV, so he should be. Bloody hell. What, what do they say, Chris? The rich, the rich get richer, the poorer get poorer. <laughs> That's why we're in this berry business. It's just so fucking lucrative, <laughs> isn't it? Just <laughs> hey, um, this is going. This is going to go out after IPA day. So, are you allowed to give us a scoop on what the uh, special celebration hazy IPA is in that box? Is it, is it, does it say it's a hazy IPA? They so they've they've given away the secret. It's a uh, it's a, oh, is that all it is? No, no one's doing no one's doing hazy IPA. But it's uh, it's a mango hazy actually. With uh, talking of fruits, mango. it's got oh. um, a hell of a lot of fresh mango uh, added to it. It's um, it's quite amazing. Really nice. I, I can uh, confirm that I was there when they were putting it all in. It was a oh, messy, messy. 
busy afternoon, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, never... what's the hop with it? Um, that's a really good question. I cannot remember. I really did not have anything to do with this beer. So, uh, no doubt I'll be one of our best. He's, uh, he's got people for that folks. He's got people for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me look like a real sweat. That's great. Man. I can just imagine the look on his face when you when you if if you were with him, he would have been like, oh, oh, I don't, I don't, ugh, I don't hang around with those brewers on the dirty brew stand. In uh, who do you think I am? Whatever, well, whatever. I, I look. I look forward to seeing those beers down here. He'd get his suede shoes dirty if he did that. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Oh, <laughs> Shots fired. And with that, uh, we might need to wrap it up tonight. Uh, Great chat about kettle sales. Any uh, any last words of wisdom from you two guys? Make sure you boil, flash boil, add your lacto, and then put more CO two than you think you need. More CO two than you yeah. think you need. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a shit yeah, kettle sales. Flush that bastard, then flush it again. It's um, so if I, you know, as yeah. I said, we 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 recirculate. Adding CO two to the actual wort so that it's it's um it's coming out of the wort as it's recirculating, and then we flush yep. the headspace mm-hmm. timer and just it, you need to be one hundred percent sure there's no oxygen anywhere near that wort. That is definitely the most important. And the other one is uh you know particularly as you, the bigger your batches are, but make sure that fruit uh, doesn't add too many bugs or any bugs to your beer. And uh, I also once that's done, you're at temperature. I put the lid on and then wrap it up with Glad Wrap. So seal the lid with Glad Wrap, so it's all nice and sealed in there and tight. We wrap the big yep. brewery up. Well, we use uh, pallet wrap it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so oh, do you actually? Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. pallet wrap it up just to make sure. Yeah, uh, you don't. You want to. You want to close it off as much as possible. That's for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and if you and if you're a bit worried about it, you could always add some fruit and towards the end of the of your boil once it's all done as well. I never do though. All my fruit goes in mid for me. Good to know. Yeah, try not to boil your fruit. It goes a bit. Uh, yeah, just taste crappy. shit. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, just taste shit. But yeah, yeah mid, mid, add your fruit mid ferment because you don't want you don't want your ferment to stop, and then you add sugar back to it, and then it has to start picking up again. If you add it mid ferment, that's good. Keep keeps it going nice and healthy. Nice stuff. All right, gents, we'll leave it there tonight. Thanks for your time talking about uh, kettle sours. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk again soon in this uh, great big craft beer land of ours. Cheers to great beers. Cheers, mate. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer, or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends. 